welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Lockie Bradford. And I'm Robbie Hicks. And on today's episode, we have an absolute belter. We got big Maddie Allen from Tractor Ventures. How good was this chat? Comes down to Torquay, power goes, power goes out, 37 degrees. Three of us sweat like a pig following us around. Come back, go to Locks Joint. Let's go. Come on. It was an interesting afternoon, wasn't it? We're, we've, we're afterwards, we were just like, that's probably the weirdest experience uh, Matt and April probably had in their lives. <laughs> you know, it was a, such a strange <laughs> afternoon, wasn't it? Park across the road, run across barefoot. Come on, Matt, in here. Come on, you'll be right. Dog's going nuts. Oh, yeah, it was a bit odd. We thought we did chat about that afterwards going, I hope he didn't think we were a bit off our heads, but <laughs> it was um, unbloody real to sit down with Matt and his, um, his wife, April, who came down to uh, see us in Torquay. I can't believe it. Yeah. I mean, this was an amazing chat. I just finished the edit and I was just like, quotes, 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 quotes. They're everywhere. He's honestly, if you're interested in investing investment or if you're a startup founder and you want to know how to um, get some money behind you and, you know, do that sort of thing, this guy. The support and belief in the structure and just the guidance. This guy, he's, he's got his fingers in a lot of pies, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's licking them fingers, 100%. Oh, okay, tell us what you think and enjoy this episode and just fucking enjoy it. <laughs> Here to go. We're live. We're live from Locks House. Locks House for the first time ever. This is our second ever in-person podcast recording and we've got off to a bit of a weird start, haven't we? we? We were in the house and the power's gone out, so we've jumped in the car. Matt and April have followed us around to your joint. Tiles is walking through the door. Hello, man. Good boy. And um, we're just <laughs> kicking off now. Yeah. But, Matt, simple one to start off. Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> Hi. Uh, thanks for having us. It's uh, great to be down here on the surf coast. Uh, so I'm Matt Allen um, and April's here too. And uh, we're tech investors. Um, Prior to this, I've been a software developer, I've been a co-founder, I've been a technical recruiter, been a business development guy at Amazon, and now we're investing full-time at Tractor Ventures. I was mean, reading a couple of things. I was reading one, one of the articles you sent across to have a chat about was uh, when you were at Amazon or AWS, you were saying that you had uh, you saw the idea that you wanted to do, but you couldn't get anyone interested to do it. Is that you hadn't jumped on the idea yet is that well, how... the you know tractor ventures is all about helping a certain um shape of founder that doesn't necessarily want to do venture capital right now either at all or uh, or right now and um there was just a, a big opportunity i just saw lots and lots of founders who were building companies tech companies that were um really exciting um solving real problems for their customers but um the venture capital companies uh, were not investing in them um my job at AWS was to look after the VCs in Australia and New Zealand and, and the accelerators. So I had a really good relationship with them. But the, um, the VCs don't invest in, in very many companies. You know, They will tell you that they'll invest in 1% of the founders they meet every year. So there's a lot of founders doing really cool stuff who uh, are not producing a company that is potentially venture capital scale. And what, um, what's that? What is venture capital scale? Like, what do we? Is that like that hyper growth, the hyper potential? Like, what is the thing that they're looking for that you guys do different to what that is? Yeah, so you know, venture is um, is a financial vehicle that has some pretty um, uh, pretty fixed constraints about what they see as successful. So a lot of the time, they will 
um, have a fund of money that has a finite amount of time. So usually these funds are around 10 years old, 10 years in length, um, and they'll deploy their money for sort of three years and then allow the companies to grow for the next seven years. And they can extend it a few years if, if they get, um, if everyone agrees to do that. And in that time, um, they generally run portfolio theory, which says we're going to invest in a bunch of companies and um, they're all going to have very high potential, but some of them are going to be, are not going to work. Mm-hmm. So most funds sort of would expect if they did 10 investments, um, sort of eight of them might fail or return one times their money back. Um, a couple might, uh, you know, seven of them, a couple of them might sort of get them two to three times and one or two might hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. So um, they're expecting a bunch of things to not work out along the way um, because they're high risk, high reward. Uh, the challenge for that that we have is that on those ones that don't work out, uh, there's founders and there's teams and there's people involved that, that have you know now stuck with this thing that didn't work out very well. Or, and it can have a pretty big impact on people's lives. 100%. Uh, so our challenge at, um, at Tractor, which is less about buying chunks of company expecting 100 times return, it's more like a really cool um, piece of debt that allows them to pay them back uh, with 5% of their revenue every month. So if the revenue goes down, because you know these companies can be quite lumpy, it goes down, the payments go up and down with it. So normally, obviously, if you take a loan over say three or four years, you'd fix, have this fixed monthly payment, and if you have a really tough month, then you've still got to pay this thing. Mm-hmm. Where ours floats up and down with it. Um, and we believe that that aligns well with the founders and their companies. Um, and it's different. So we, we're not buying 20% of someone's company. We're extending them a loan that they can pay back via this floating mechanism. Um, and we do we do actually um, take a small part of the company, but we actually earn it. So mm-hmm. we throw our team at it at an advisory level. So there's five of us, six of us in Australia and New Zealand, and we actually, uh, for the first 12 months of that, of that loan, we actually do a bunch of advisory work for them and earn a couple of percentage points of their company. How cool is that? So it's like an afterpay for business financing. <laughs> kind of, but, maybe. But, There's elements. But get a return and don't just, just take everyone's data. Is that... <laughs> Definitely no data involved. Definitely no data involved. <laughs> like we were just chatting yeah. before is that you've had such an interesting background. You've been involved in so many different things. We went, we went through your LinkedIn. We're having a good story. And I was just like, this dude, show more experience. Show more experience. <laughs> I've never clicked that button so many times on LinkedIn. <laughs> I was just looking at how many projects and different things you've been involved in, and it's crazy, wasn't it? How did you get? How did it all start for you? Like, where did it? When did your interest in investing or being involved in that tech scene start? Oh, the tech scene was mid '90s, which dates yeah, which dates okay. me. Um, so I'm self-taught software developer, um, web developer mostly. Um, we uh, I did a lot of work in the music industry, so. Um, Back in the day, I did the website, first website for Grinspoon. No way. Uh, home Bake. Um, really? Home nah, bake. we love Grinspoon. Oh, we love Grinspoon and Phil Jamison, don't we? So there was, was our favourite band. Yeah. There was a period in time there where Grinspoon.com.au was owned by me. Like, I bought it in my name and ran the domain. I used to run a hosting company, so I hosted the domain name. And, yeah. and they, like, it was all done voluntarily, but they actually yeah. bought me my first digital camera. Yeah. So I was able to go and take photos, you know, at Home Bake or whatever, go home, upload them and then stick them on the website instantaneously, which was That's quite... cool, man. Yeah, yeah, that was in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. Sorry, you, you this chat's unreal. I can't you, believe how good it you is. You look great. like you should be in Grinspoon. I reckon <laughs> you look like the guitarist. You, you got the vibes, I reckon. Yeah. Tell them uh, about your story about 
um, Phil Jamison. Oh, have you seen them live? Oh, obviously, you would have seen them. <laughs> seen that them was live. a dumb hey, question. Scrap that. Scrap we'll that. We'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> well, last time I saw them live was with you, but the, the time before that, there's a song called Gone Tomorrow, which I'm sure you... And the, Phil Jamison came out, I think it was like the encore, and he just spat in my face, and it was like the best moment of my life. <laughs> he pointed at me, grabbed me by the shirt, and spat in my face. I was like... That's funny. I love Phil Jamison. Yeah, you know, well... We're now rocking out as 40-year-olds, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit different now, isn't it? <laughs> a bit different. Yeah. Well, moving on, sorry. I had to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. You've got the website for Grinspoon. You're doing... Take, you got your digital camera. Yeah. yeah. So that was... Um, and then uh, working in a, as, a, as a web developer. I got a job as a web developer in an agency in Sydney um, and, and learnt pretty quickly on the job there. Uh, mm-hmm. Looked after, you know, mcdonalds.com.au and Vodafone and worked on the Olympics <laughs> website. But this was just back when the web was pretty fresh in the mid-90s and uh, late-90s. Yeah. Uh, left there to start my first um, web, the tech startup with a co-founder of ours, uh, of mine. Um, he had the idea, I had the technology, I just built the thing. I was just the guy who built the website, basically. But that went for five years. Um, it went okay. Uh, we sold it to some new directors that came along and were sort of came out ex IBM and wanted to go and sell the thing. So we actually sold it to them. And, yeah. uh, but it was that was a that was a rough end. That was like five years, probably a year and a half too long. Yeah. Uh, really pushing. It was pretty hard. Uh, we sold that and then moved to the country um, and just became a, a, a consultant. And mm-hmm. Did a bunch of work for Sydney-based companies when we lived in the down near Goulburn. Um, the uh, as I sort of moved on my technology career, I realized that building software was a very uh, detail-orientated job Mm. and um, quite slow to get stuff done. And I like to go a bit faster. So um, I always wanted to turn into a business guy. I didn't even know what that was. Mm. Came from a family that was not entrepreneurial at all. So it wasn't like it was in my DNA, but always wanted to sort of do more business. So uh, when I decided that it was time to finish coding, um, I became a technical recruiter. So I joined a company called Look Ahead Search, uh, run by Steve Gillis. And I was the third employee there, fourth employee there, and uh, helped build software engineering teams. And the shtick there was that everyone was an ex-software developer. So instead of being salespeople, which a lot of uh, recruiters are, everybody was from the game. And we... uh, we so I, I joined that company up in Sydney and then we moved to Melbourne. Um, and REA real estate.com.au was one of my cornerstone clients, so we, we built out a bunch of their agile um, Ruby development teams back in 2014 <clears throat> 2015. So I did that, mm. and then, um, as far as investing goes, uh, having been a software developer, understanding software, uh, I like the fact that it could be leveraged and mm-hmm. I wondered whether or not um, we could use that as an investment thesis like so there's these more modern software companies getting built and um, in parallel with my consulting I've done a few um, a lot of work in the zero ecosystem the accounting platform mm. um, and we made a pretty big bet on that when it listed on the Australian Stock Exchange and that was sort of how we got a bunch of capital to start investing it was um, we I'd run a bunch of companies as a founder, as a, as a you know, as a business person prior to zero coming out, and the accounts were a mess, and mm. it was stressful every time you had to do any kind of accounting or BAS or whatever. You knew, yeah. I, and then I then yeah. we used zero, and 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 my accountants were very zero focused, 
Yeah. I was like, everything was done there, everything was done online, and I'm, this is magical. This is different. You know, for small business people, it changes the way they work. So we're pretty... I was confident that was going to work. Yeah. Um, uh, April had the, enough confidence to let me do that. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was pretty good. It, it's worked out very well. Um, Take us back to the time, though, when you're having them conversations. Are you like... This is this is about to explode and and, and that sort of thing or are you, like how is it a tough sort of battle to try and convince or is it? Uh, no, it wasn't back then. Um, I think I I have pretty high conviction in yeah. things. Um, but it's not immediate conviction. It actually takes a while to brew up. Yeah. Maybe I should jump. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what we we ended up. Um, setting up our self-managed super fund to take advantage of the zero IPO and uh, that that's where we had the spare funds so we didn't have to we, Matt didn't have to do a lot of selling on me mm-hmm. because it wasn't a, a mortgage situation it was self-managed super which yeah I mean who cares you can't use it for years anyway so yeah I mean that's where the confidence came from because yeah you know um, we had that sitting there for, and and because we had the self-managed super that was created with the um uh, premise of being used for tech investing it mm. meant that we could continue doing it oh yeah. real and zero fucking hit like a winner they did hit like a winner didn't they yeah, yeah. and they were um i i'd been doing some work and one of my first investment companies uh company i invested in called practice ignition I actually built that. It was one of the last things I built as a software developer. So I was building this, uh, you know, startup mm. as a contractor on top of the Zero platform, getting to know the Zero APIs and getting to know everything, and then run using Zero to run our business. <laughs> and all of a sudden, yes. you know, and then they because they listed really early. They actually listed on the New Zealand stock exchange before they had a product. So mm. unlike most tech startups they were publicly traded and listed before they had a public product. And the, and the reason being is the founder, Rodri, um, was a um, very experienced um, entrepreneur, mm. had done a couple of uh, tech companies prior and sold them. So it was his momentum and his, his uh, uh, you know, reputation was able to start this thing up and that's how they raised their initial capital mm. uh, on the New Zealand Stock Exchange. And then they flipped up, they had a dual listing in the New Zealand and ASX. And then after a while, they just just went to the ASX, which is a bigger exchange. You just blew my mind. You like that? Yeah, I I don't know. I I watched the story, but I didn't see when they come out. I had a a couple of those ones. Tell me about your story about Afterpay. Oh, no, because it makes me sad. I had the same thing. I I didn't put much cash into it, but I had like... (laughs) This is before I... You just met Em, my wife, and we before we got engaged, I was thinking, fuck, how am I going to pay for a wedding? I'm going to buy an engagement ring, I'm going to do whatever. And I had... Some stocks sitting there, and I had my winners, which were going to be my medicinal cannabis stocks because they were clearly <laughs> going to take off. And I was very interested. Yeah, the yeah, green yeah. rush is real, and I'm going to be cashed in. Or I could have my afterpay shares that I bought at two dollars and one cent. Oh wow! And yeah, uh, I sold my afterpay shares <laughs> and kept my cannabis shares. So yeah, good that's decision, what, mate. That's, why my, that's why my microphone only half works. Yeah. <laughs> This, you can win and you can lose, can't you? Yeah. But anyway, it's yeah. not about me. It's not. Um, it's funny though. Tell us, tell us a bit more about like you, you mentioned. That's your experience going to that. Now tell us about Tractor. Tell us the idea. Where did it come from? How did like launch? We've seen you already working with some different places, but you're in the news. You got things going on. Yeah. Give us a bit of a spiel. So at Tractor, we believe that um, 
secure founders run better businesses. So, um, you know, traditionally venture capital, especially maybe changing nowadays, but originally the VCs were pretty full on with their founders as, you know, keep them hungry. You, you got to earn nothing. You know, we want you to be fully invested in this thing so that, that we can all win big at the other end. Mm. Um, and, and Tractor is, is effectively part of, part of our DNA. You know, I've been involved in some of these things where the decisions I made when running a company were influenced by our personal position you know the mm. mortgage having to pay the mortgage having to do all that kind of stuff so um we believe that skill founders run better businesses having to um having all your eggs in that one basket is, is really tough but even before that is bringing capital into your business that is expecting you to sort of knock it out of the park and become a, a unicorn mm. can be really tough as a founder when you've most of them have all all their eggs in this one basket. So mm. and and the capital, the alignment of the capital and the alignment of the founders' expectations, if they're not a hundred percent aligned, that's going to cause fric- you know, heat for somebody, friction yeah. for someone. So the founders who quite often when you raise venture, you tell the story of the future, which is what's happening. Mm. And if things aren't going well, then that can be really tough for the founder. So we wanted to create a uh, investment company that was about founders not having to sell this rocket unicorn um, trajectory trajectory for it to be successful and success can be defined at what they see as successful mm-hmm. so you know because we uh, so tractor uses a different mechanism called revenue based investment which is a combination of revenue based financing which mm-hmm. is that loan we mentioned that sort of gets paid back by a, a fraction of their revenue um, and some earned equity that we mentioned that the team earns. Mm. So, you know, our, our bet is that our, that's a, our first product is that with that capital that comes back via your revenue rather than, you know, hoping that you um, become a unicorn or we sell sometime in the future, mm. uh, we get to have founders that are growing at their pace. So if they grow a little bit slower, that's fine by us. And we're not putting the pressure on them to, to take off like a rocket if they just want to be a you know, nice, consistent tractor. Uh, and so that was that, that's our first product. Our first product is aligning that capital with the growth that the founders want to, the pace with which the founders want to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, the second product we have uh, is called, so usually when a, a, com- a founder raises money uh, in their startup, they, they, the company has shares, some shares in it, and they're mm-hmm. owned by the founders, and they issue new shares to the investor, and the investor buys those new shares, and the money that the investor puts in goes into the business. Mm-hmm. So it goes onto the balance sheet and then the business uses that money to do stuff, you know, whether it be, you know, some marketing, sales, engineering, whatever. That's a primary raise. So that's when a company raises primary capital, which goes into the business. There's a raise called a secondary mm-hmm. um, where existing shareholders can sell some of their shares to someone else. Mm-hmm. And the money doesn't go into the business. It goes to the people who own the shares prior. It goes into the founder's pocket. It, yeah, right. So, or, or early investors, or whoever, whoever owns the shares. So, um, our second product is a is a secondary product. Which, um, going back to the theme of we believe that secure founders run better businesses. Mm. We think that if you get your company to a certain point of revenue, then as a founder, you might want to take a little bit of money off the table to sort of take all your eggs out of that one basket of your business and maybe buy a house or buy half a house. Mm. So we are putting together a product that allows you to, when you get to a million dollars in, in annual recurring revenue, we're going to buy a chunk of you coming off you rather than off the company. 
Mm-hmm. And we think that, okay, that's a, a bit of a save point in that, in that like an early save point. Mm. And most of the time, secondaries don't kick in until your company's worth 50 or $60 million, at which point it's been de-risked enough for people to go, okay, we'll buy some of your shares off you. Mm. Um, because we want to get into your company because it's exciting and, mm. and the founders don't want to keep issuing more shares and squishing the percentage of ownership down. Mm-hmm. So we think that com- people who are not um, on that venture capital path still should be able to realise some of the gains and hard work they put in. And let's, let's be clear, a million dollars of annual revenue is not nothing. Like it's, it's something substantial. There's mm. a lot of risk involved in the future. It's not a zero risk game. Mm. But we think that if we can get to that point, then we can buy a, a small part of the company off them and we'll just sit there next to them as a kind of a, a silent shareholder. Um, we think that it allows founders to make better decisions. They can make longer term decisions. You know, they've, they've been able to take a little bit of risk out of it. They've been able to uh, de-risk their personal lives a little bit. And because they've taken our first product, we've got to know them. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to see how they pay back some debt. We've got to advise them and see how that business is going. Mm. And then the third product is giving the other founders in our portfolio the ability to um, have access to a, a trust where they all have a little bit of exposure to it. So if any one of our founders has success, it'll get spread out around That's our cool. entire portfolio. So, mm. um, you know, portfolio of one, which is your company, portfolio of two, which is your company and your personal life. Mm-hmm. portfolio of N, which is your company, your personal life, and some exposure to some other companies inside the tractor portfolio. So we yeah. think that that differentiates us from uh, venture because they, that's, mm. that's not how it works. Mm. It differentiates us from a bank because that's not how they work. Mm-hmm. And there's even some companies now, fintech companies that are doing you know financial products that will allow you to do some revenue-based financing of that sort of first part of that component I said, where it's just straight up, Here's a loan, pay us back by your revenue, but you don't get access to any of the other parts of the puzzle. Mm. Man, that's cool. That's insane. <laughs> that's insane. Do you reckon having your background, as in being someone who can get on the keys and do the work yourself, helps you? Has helped you along the way understand how to pick winners? Um, it's it's interesting that my background in technology. I don't think actually, it doesn't come into play consciously very often anymore. Mm. Mostly because I think it's more people in this technology. Like I feel like the technology element is almost mostly solvable problems or solved problems. Mm-hmm. You know, having worked at AWS, you know, I understand the technology stack and I can, I think I can skim across the risk of what the technology is quicker than most investors. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore I don't spend much time on it like it, it, it's sort of in and out pretty quickly yeah. and then it's back to the people and the problem um, so uh, I think my recruiting and tech background is certainly appealing to a lot of the founders that, that you know allow uh, grace, gracefully allow me onto their cap table because I think I can be pretty useful mm. although you know we don't do we don't do the work anymore you know we're not recruiters we're not you know that's not what we do but it's certainly hitting the network up and, and pushing those things out. I, I do recruit for people now for free. Well, not for free, but they're part of my portfolio, you know, for long-term upside rather than yeah. short-term upside. Well, you, what you said before about recruiting, I reckon struck a chord with you. Yeah, because I, like I was, my first taste of the corporate life was uh, 2019, mid-2019 when I was a recruiter, tech recruiter. I had nothing to do. I had no preconceived like ideas of what a recruiter was and I'd done a bit of research I'm like, as soon as I picked up the phone and started calling people, like, I realised pretty quickly that people hate recruiters. And I was like, <laughs> damn, I didn't realise that this was like, I was a pest, you know? So the whole reason we started this podcast was like an in on LinkedIn for a lead gen 
to be like, all right, well, I'm not a recruiter. I, I just interview, you know, interesting people and stuff like that. So taking that lens off and, and the people for, like first focus that you mentioned before, I was like the same thing. I was like, if they only got to know me, they wouldn't hate me. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> well, why is this? You know, but I don't I'm, know if they would, mate. I still think they <laughs> touch oh, me. Come on. But having that technical background and, and, and understanding, like, like I don't, I'm not technical at all, but just having that sort of glossary and index and understanding that world definitely helps put us in good stead, I think. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, technologists, rightly or wrongly so, are pretty picky about, you know, their acronyms and, and, and you know, yeah. like, they like to nerd out and sort of like nerd mm. snipe you and like you know, yeah. try and trip you up with like, oh, that doesn't go with that, therefore you're yeah. an idiot. And I mean, to their detriment, yeah. you know, the irony is, is a lot of geeks will tell you, you know, as you said, you know, yeah. recruiters are pesky. Yeah. Until you need them, yeah, hundred you know? percent. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, the especially, yeah. and, it, and it's funny, you know, pre-COVID, yeah. the challenge of a recruiter was to find someone good who was available. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's this influx of people available because mm. everyone let their teams go. Mm. Now the recruiters are like finding, like filtering through this myriad of people to try yeah. and find the good ones. Well, yeah. I sort of found when COVID hit, I was like, all these people are just des- like desperate for advice and stuff. So it was more like, oh, this is a big good opportunity here to really help people. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, that's the whole reason why I wanted to do it was to I was like don't they know they want I'm setting up with their dream job you know what I mean it's, but that's what I that's the place that I come from whether I'm naive or whatever but that's just the way I sort of operate you know I think the um you know the challenge I had as a recruiter is that the business model and the you know the desire to, to help someone mm. you know improve their career and mm. the business model sometimes are a little bit yeah you know um uh, not in line with each other yeah um, I talk about it totally being makes sense yeah like the best and worst times of my career the best times was I was able to have amazing conversations with founders and CEOs and CTOs about the problems they're trying to solve with the teams like why they're hiring what is the product you're building what mm. is the skill set you're missing and that was because I was a technologist that was easy Yeah. and the toughest one was unfortunately sometimes it feels like it comes down to information arbitrage right I know that these amazing developers are looking for a job. I know you're looking for someone. You should talk to that person. Yeah. And then it works because if you do your job well, it works. Mm. And you send them a significant bill. Mm. Um, it was it was tough. I, f- I felt like it was tough to... You're not really monetizing the connection. You're monetizing the 20 years of, of building these networks up and earning that trust. Yeah. And, and, you know, extracting dollars out of trust in such a transactional manner is was difficult. Yeah. But I feel like... With our investments, it's diff- it's got a far longer horizon. So you know you can earn and keep earning the trust over time because mm. nobody's winning today. Mm-hmm. Tractor is a little bit of a spot in the middle where we have we do get our returns sort of as time trundles on rather than at the end. Yeah, but it feels like the alignment is more aligned with the founders' definition of success rather than everybody trying to push to some massive huge explosion at the end. Mm. Um, so yeah. Is that one of those things that when you t- you talk about in your second product, is you offer services in terms of, in return for equity? Is that one of the things you looked at and going, how do you do you set like definitions of success and help them actually determine what it could build out into? Yeah. Um, so every 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 investment so far is different, but every everybody seems to have a sort of collective set of things that we can be helpful with. So um, myself and Kirsty, who's on our team in New Zealand, are, are both sort of people and recruiter folk. Um, Lance is head of product. Uh, Jody's done marketing. April does customer service, customer success. I've done capital raising and technology. So there's quite a spread of mm. people on the team. 
Uh, so everybody seems to get a little bit of everybody. Uh, I think we'll have some slightly tighter definitions of, of what founders want. So we have a deal at the moment where the founders are like, these are the things we'd like you to help with. Like, that's fine. Mm. Uh, so that's, yeah, that, that's part of the first product is a combination of the capital and the advice is sort of melded into one mm. um, where some of the fintechs will do straight capital and they're effectively a bank. Yeah. Um, and some advisors will do straight advice and ask for equity, but they don't come along with finance that goes together so that's the sort of revenue based investment product that we've kind of built what do, what do you look for in founders and, and new ideas and, and businesses with the uh, with the tractor hat on yeah. we look for people who um, are ambitious but for one reason or another uh, they are not necessarily chasing venture capital uh, they're either because they're uh, they've had experience with it before and they just don't want to which is fine yeah um, their business is not compatible with it. So a lot of the VCs are chasing, you know, global businesses that have a scale that can get to $100 million in revenue. And that may not be the size of the business these founders are building. Yeah. Um, or it might be, but they can't, you just can't quite see it yet. You know, yeah. they're, not, they're not willing to sell a big chunk of their company for people that, you know, have a binary outcome of we get there or we don't. Yeah. Uh, so the kind of people, and it, it does for us come down to the kind of people we like. So... The tractor brand, um, you know, quite often it feels like we're, we're speaking to farmer type people, you know, they're just down to earth folk who know the problem they're solving. They know their solution works. They love their customers. They just, they're happy to do that and, and, and incrementally, not necessarily small increments, but incrementally get better at what they do. Mm. Um, our founders so far have teams that absolutely adore them. You know, they look after their people. Uh, and that's really important for us. So, you know, we, we are unlikely to invest in a, a founder that is just chasing money because it doesn't align with us. Does it happen often? Do people hit you up and they're just like, hey, I've got this grouse idea that's going to make us all money. And you're the like, they've up. got the golden ticket. You're like, yeah, man, shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it happens. It happens all the time, especially usually they're the unsolicited ones that just land in your inbox because, you know, our, our email addresses are out yeah. on the internet. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that, yeah, when they focus on that, it's really challenging for me to get past that. Mm. Rightly or wrongly, I'm pro- mm. I've probably missed good deals for a well, well, yeah, deals, I was gonna say, deals yeah. that were probably financially successful. Yeah. I can't actually think of any right now, but, yeah. but you know, that, I'm sure that was true, but happen, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. You know, there's a reason I said no, and I'll, I'm happy to say, yeah. have said no, even if it turns out to be financially successful. Yeah, that makes sense. You want to work with good people. Yeah, oh, we were talking about this beforehand. It's just all about that, isn't it, really? You can do all that sort of stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like, especially what's when, the point? Especially you know? when you're looking at it, like, well, one of the things we're going to touch on is, like, how do you manage a portfolio and split your time and, like, actually stay productive and focused and give love to the things that you need to give love to? What if you were working with shit people, how would you... Yeah. You wouldn't... You'd be having too much time with people that are taking too much time of your energy, too much... But so, I'd like to know, yeah. how does the normal week look like for you? Uh, yeah, so week structured up. So Monday is generally uh, team day, internal day. So we have our Monday morning kickoffs with the team. So we're all in the office today. Uh, Kiwis are in New Zealand and we were in Melbourne. Uh, came down to see you this afternoon. That's yeah. Different. Uh, Friday is kind of portfolio day. So I've got a bunch of conversations I have with standing conversations, either weekly or fortnightly with some founders. Not everybody needs it. So as a company grows up, um, I'm less 
mm. uh, impactful when it comes to business stuff because I haven't been through that process. I'm sort of quite an early stage type person. So um, uh, sometimes the founders uh, want to talk about business. Sometimes they just want to catch up. Uh, but some, some don't, don't need me after a while. Um, mm. I quite often revert back to being a friend of the founder. Um, you know, especially when there are VCs involved and these are fast-growing companies worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They've got their boards and they've got all this stuff they need to do, but quite often it's like, I'm feeling stressed. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to be that person. I'm really happy to be that person. I'll just trust that the, the big boy investors have the, the KPIs and the metrics and all the the whip cracking going on and I can just be helpful again to the, to the actual people. Yeah. <coughs> Tuesday through Thursday is basically open slather to try and um, talk to new new founders who may want to become part of the tractor portfolio um, and just catch up with a bunch of people. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of sort of harvesting work. Um, not everybody's ready to go straight away so it's early conversations and give them some definitions of how we might be able to help them in the future planting the seeds watering the plants so you said you are you're off the you're off the beers you're off the drink yeah. too yeah do you want to water us yeah. 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 Okay. you're a good host rob I am. this is super interesting stuff because honestly like I, I didn't know too much about all this vc sort of stuff beforehand and you know speaking to jad and and, and the guys at linktree and stuff and what they're sort of doing is just it's crazy and then meeting you you know You've had an interesting life. So far, hopefully it gets, it stays that way. <laughs> yeah. I still don't understand how you manage the portfolio that you do. Yeah. Did you say yes or no? I said, no, said... not, not. <laughs> uh, the, the short answer is not everybody needs you. I mean, as, a, as an early investor, um, I can be, only be as helpful as I can be. So mm. you know, I've got limited anecdotes and limited stuff that I can be helpful with. So all my founders know when to, when to call me. So, you know, when they're hiring, they quite often call me, you know, if they've got product, some product decisions, but not, not all of them. Um, uh, so, you know, they know that I'm there. Like, I'm, I'm super responsive yeah. when one of my portfolio companies pings me. So, yeah. it might only be, you know, two or three times a year, but you know, they'll get a response almost instantly. Um, mm. And I think that's, I make that quite well known to everybody. So, the, the tractor portfolio companies all live in Slack with us. So, like, they're just, we're just there and around all the time. Jesus. Everybody else is just... I message or WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That is cool. Because hey, cool. we just—I don't want to get the names wrong, so I'm going to go. I'm going to open this so I don't, I don't stuff it up. But you just had another one that you—the article you sent through, one of the ones for 2019 with a massive. So build kite. Mm-hmm. Tell us about build kite. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So um, I think this was one of the ones where you know the network made sense. So um, Keith was the founder and we spent a lot of time together in the, the Ruby community. Ruby's an open source programming language. I was, yeah. um, you know, I used to run the meetups and was the president of Ruby Australia for a while and, and had met Keith several times at these um, events we run twice a year. We just go away for the weekend and you know, a bunch of nerds sort of like at a scout camp with their laptops out. Like it's the weirdest thing. Um, but, um, what do you get when you're the president, though? <laughs> yeah. You get, like, special privileges or something when you're first to get the meal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a bunch of paperwork. You get a bunch of paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> you got to deal with insurance companies. It's oh, great. really? The sexy stuff. No initiation? No initiation. <laughs> nah. No. It was convenient to be the president of Ruby Australia and running a recruiting company that focused on Ruby developers, though. 100%. So that, that I was, like that. that Smart was, idea, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. So, Keith came up to me one of these, you know, weekends away in Sydney and just went, I've got this 
side project that I've been building uh, because he was working at Envato at the time and, and they um, they needed a problem solved with their software deployment technology and software testing and deployment and went, well, I've solved it in this and solved it. You know, I've got about, I don't know, $3,000 a year of revenue coming in and see I've got some friends using it. I think REA might have been dabbling with it at one stage. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, what comes next? Build a product, technically it works. Hmm. People like it, but now what? And um, he uh, joined up with another friend of ours, Tim, um, and they became co-founders. But both of them um, had jobs, you know, high-paid senior developer jobs. That they, were, they were like, we, we, we want to do this full-time, um, but we can't, we don't have any money, so we need to pay hmm. ourselves something. So I just said, well, why don't we just sort of try and gather up some money and see what we can come up with? So I helped them do that. You know, we put that together. We pitched it to a handful of friends. And I think seven or nine of us, there's a very few numbers, sort of ponied up enough money to buy them a couple of years or a year's worth of, worth of runway. And they took significant pay cuts. And their, their goal was like, we're not doing a startup here. We're running a business that happens to be a technology business. But by the time we spent this money, plus got our like, uh, ATO R&D tax incentive on the back of it, we'll have been generating enough money on a monthly basis to not have to raise any more money. Like that's our goal. We don't want to keep raising more and more and more and more money. And mm. we, we said that to our friends who were the investors and a couple of exited founders who had previously a few months ago exited for a significant amount of money. And they went, oh yeah, that sounds right. Here you go. So within the space of about three days, we'd sort of wrap that up and then they quit their jobs and started working on it full time. Because the, what the article that you sent through was raised 200, 200 mil over in, in San Fran. Is that, is that, is that the numbers yeah. right? Is no, no, no. So, um, yeah, 2019, no, at, at a valuation of $200 million. 200 so, million. so I think it was $28 million. Yeah, there you go, $28 million. Which million was percent. some primary and some secondary. So yeah. it, it's, it's also the data point we have for the Tractor Ventures story, which is these founders had literally all their eggs in the bill kite basket and they'd been building more and more and more value for their customers and accruing more and more customers and mm. more and more revenue. They were profitable. We actually had dividends out of this company, which is highly unusual yeah. for a tech startup because yeah. usually their growth at all costs, every single dollar goes back into the machine to make it grow faster. Mm. Where these were like, no, no, we, we were growing quite well. We're quite happy with our growth and here you go, investors have some money back, um, which was really cool. Uh, but the conversation I had with them was maybe it's time to de-risk this a little bit for, for everybody, you know, you guys included and then some of the early investors if they choose to. And I think out of that, that thing, the founders and, and me and, and a handful of the early investors, not everybody, took a little bit of money off the table, enough to sort of take a bit of a breath out and mm. as Keith calls it, a, a save point in his game of life. So like if yeah. you die in the future, you can always come back to here and you've got everything in your backpack that you had when you died. I so like, like that save oh, point. Oh, that's a, a save point. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to use that. So that, that was the <laughs> save point. And the save point, you know, for these guys was buy a house. And, and, and we believe that, that founders that own a house, um, like shelter is, that, shelter is basically a chunky monthly cost for anybody mm. and if you can get rid of that then I reckon most people make better long-term decisions if that wasn't there so yeah. like that was that's a driving principle of our secure founders build better businesses at Tractor that's cool we were just talking about today we were driving around going 
Fuck, do you reckon you're going to get another year lease this joint? Yeah. And I'm going, yeah, I'm pumped. I just got another year lease. Because yeah. down here at the moment, it's been yeah. so insane, the, re- the rental market, even the property market. Like, everyone's moving down to the coast. There's all these articles, all these locals are pissed because they're going, I can't even get a house. Yeah. I've, my family's grown up here. I've lived here. And now all of a sudden, yeah. a couple no, of no more. no more. No more. Yeah. It's not ideal. But hey, we're all good. We're all, we're it, makes, all good. it makes a lot of sense because I can 100% empathize with our fucking situation yeah, is that yeah yeah it's one of the things that we can't not it's can't you can't not you have to pay to live yeah, like I, yeah. I, moved, I lived with my parents last year before we moved down yeah. to the beach and yeah i love my mom who she listens to every episode so she'll know <laughs> i do love love your yeah. mom but yeah. you know i can't live with you anymore you know? it's, a, it's about the long-term play isn't it it's about making decisions to set you up for tomorrow not today and it's not the let's just do this to get a quick buck it's like let's just build this out long term and create something a bit more than that yeah yeah and, and i think um whether it's consciously or subconsciously if you are able to know that you own your house or a big chunk of it that you know worst case scenario is like cool i get to live here and you're solving the other you know solving the cost of living minus housing mm. is yeah. solvable for most people like that you know you yeah. all of a sudden you'd have a rent or a mortgage yeah all of a sudden you're like well i can do all kinds of stuff and still manage to get by even yeah. with a family so yeah. like that's a, a position that that uh, we would like to see more founders be into get into help mm. them get into because then they focus back on the business and the business is like instead of like how do I you know if we, somebody came along and, and offered us a couple million bucks you know mm. tomorrow they mm. might say yes because mm. they want it but if you didn't have that problem then they're able to have the next conversation which is no nah, we don't need to take that we can keep going mm. um, that makes sense we always talk about that don't we Short term, short term pain for long term gain. Yeah, well, like, short term gain, short term pain, just yeah, 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 yeah. Just stretch that bad boy out. We can live <laughs> with it, you know. We're young. I don't want to be old and and hustling like that. You know yeah. what I mean? I want to do that hard work now while I can. Mate, Set yourself up. Do you have what do you? What's your most memorable? You've worked on so many different things. Take us back to maybe one or two. Like moments or memorable projects, Ch- chapters in your on. autobiography Besides, that you want to. You've already told us Greg yeah. Greenspoon, so <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, number yeah. one. What yeah. sits at number two underneath Phil Jamison? Uh, yeah, uh, it's, I, I think um, my time at Amazon was really interesting. So, you know, when I, I think when I left, there was just under a million employees at Amazon globally, <laughs> which is hard to comprehend. Like that's a ridiculously large amount. Of so. So, um, yeah, and the company, even AWS itself was on a, I'm going to say, for a ridiculous amount of revenue per year. So, working at Amazon was really challenging to, if I wanted, I couldn't move the needle. No matter what I did, I couldn't move any kind of of meaningful needle at Amazon. If I found the next 10 Atlassians, nothing would change, right? Numbers just wouldn't change. But I could use... Um, so every day I'd be like, well, how do I help my startups or how do I help startups in general? And, um, there was a, uh, we had the big conference in Sydney every year. There'd be 20, there, you know, a stadium full of people, you know, Sydney, Sydney convention center. I don't know how many, eight or 10,000 people in this thing. And, um, I was able to help Sam from Casada. So Casada is, it is one of our portfolio companies, but the whole team agreed that it was the right thing to do. No conflicts. Um, he was a really young guy. I think he was 22 or 23 at the time. Um, got up and spoke to the entire audience about his startup, Casada, which is a security startup that helps um, uh, people stop bots stealing their data off the website and, and, and taking over accounts and, th- and really? stealing credentials and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he was able to get up as a 22-year-old 
and speak to this entire crowd. Um, and he did it so well. So that was like, so yes. being yeah. able to, you know, help a founder like that present to 10,000 people um, who are all technologists as well. Like everyone in that crowd mm. is, is a potential customer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, he just sent me a message. He was on the side of stage down there. And I think um, he was just on after the CEO of Qantas. Like, this, like the bar was set pretty high. Um, and he said to himself, shitting myself. I'm like, mate, you got this. Just, you're right. Yeah. Um, so that, that, was, that was a really cool, be able to use my position to be able to help someone like that, you know, achieve something like that, which is pretty meaningful for him. And off the back of that, he then got um, asked by Amazon to do it globally and a few other of the other locations around the world. So yeah, like that's yeah. that's a pretty big thing where it's like it's never about me. It's always about the founders and, and being able to help them achieve what they do. And you know, as we were mentioned earlier, success for us is the exhaust of the helping them be successful. Like it's not a, it's not really about us. We, we just sort of go about our business and support people. Um, I I I'm a bass player myself, and I kind yeah. of it's the analogy I use is like I, I I don't mind being on stage, but it's not about me. I'm just sort of sitting there helping them keep the beat while everyone else is sort of riffing over the top yeah um, it's, I don't need to be the front man Locks the lead singer oh, he, he wants, he, the, he he wants, wants the feather earring the painting he throws me under the bus all the time it's not like that at all I want to be the drummer with the towel on the head mate no one knows who I am you know I, I like the way it's purposeful stuff isn't it like when you meet people and you you can see the journey because you've sort of had that experience and you can help them along the way guide them and, and just see it all unfold in front of your eyes and actually notice the impact that you're making like I feel like that's it feels like yeah you must get to a point where it's just like that that becomes way more important than anything you thought that you could build for yourself where it's like i'm going to build this and be the best and do all this yeah and i mean in the that that track the dna of being able to sort of create a position where you can take a long-term bet that's tractor for us is being able to take a long-term bet um on these people to help them achieve what they want to achieve as well we don't you know we don't we don't get paid a lot of money to do this because we don't have to, which is nice. Um, you know, we, we did raise some money from some amazing people in startup land in Australia, both venture people, not venture people, bootstrap founders, you know, Alex, Jads, the Bill Kite peeps, all the, all the people who we've helped along the way. So, like, they're long-term, long-term supporters for us as well. So it's nice to be in a position to be able to take a, a thing that's not going to um, return for a long time, return over time rather than having to chase something you know mm. when I went to Amazon that was about getting paid a lot of money to do a yeah. job that I enjoyed and get some Amazon shares and this yeah. is not that so it's about the journey isn't it it's about like going through like we, we said early doors like networking and all the people that we admire and inspire to be is like the people who've built up that network of people who are doing cool shit together you know like building coming up with ideas and seeing what they can make in their short time on planet earth you know it's like what we're doing now. It's like we, we're yeah. lucky enough that we got introduced to yourselves and we're, we're here chatting in Locke's lounge room and it's like, <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't have ever happened if we didn't meet one person who gave it that word of mouth spreads to someone else who knows someone else and says, oh, you guys should talk, you should do this. And it's like, oh, that's just how it works. Yeah. It's that been an out. interesting insight this year, hasn't it? Say last year. Last year. Oh, it's 2021. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I was reading an article a couple of days ago that was coming out and it was something on Vice as well and it was talking about Jeff Bezos trying to buy Cyprus's economy. Did you see that? <laughs> I didn't. He wants to... Yeah, that. I was like, because supposedly their, their economy is for sale and Jeff Bezos was going to move everything there and he was just going to own... This was like he'd run his own country. So you, you, you work the there. Does he, does he, is he, is he the overruler, overlord? Is he watching us? It does feel like a natural next step. Like, yeah. It feels like he is. Like where, where else to from where he is now? Like, 
Yeah. No, the um, I, I never um, I, I never never met met Jeff. I did. I think I did go past his office once in one of the buildings in Seattle. Um, but the the thing you're always worried about, um, if you know Jeff at Amazon.com is his email address, and if people like customers would send a complaint there, and he just forwarded it with a question mark, oh, and basically wow. that came down. That came down and landed in your inbox by your manager. Like it's like it's all hands on deck to figure out you know, what what went wrong and how yeah. to resolve this. So, he's, he's ruling the world. You know, like so having you know ruling ruling over the million Amazonians plus a country. Who knows? I don't. I don't know. It, that, that's fascinating, isn't it? I don't does, know why well, you would buy an entire country. Did the tech trend scare? You? Like, do you, someone who's grown up self-taught? On the keys, doing stuff. Well, Twitter's blocking Trump and all that sort of stuff. Tech companies are ruling the world now, aren't they? Yeah, they're pretty powerful, aren't they? Yeah. It's 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 an interesting balance between, you know, someone making a decision to turn off a flow of information versus yeah. having to deal with the information when it's there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think there's a good, clear answer to any of this. Nah. Um, Nothing's going away anytime soon. If anything, it's just going to start. It's now these it's the last, start of, the start of yeah. these things starting to show their... Show their head and go. Well, how do we want to action this? How does this want to live? I've been. We were talking about the car this morning because I. I'm all for the thing that's happened. Like people getting shot, all the violence, all the things that happened there with Trump. At the end of the day, I look at it and go, "There's. I've got no idea about politics, but there's enough people that voted for someone who cares about something." And there's another side saying, and they're saying they don't feel heard. And then the big tech people who remember, they just switch off their voice. Well, that's not going to be, that can't be a good recipe for, that's not a win-win for anyone. Surely that's not going to how it works. But you look at like Google, um, they took down even the secondary, they took the servers down, the, is it Par? Par? Yeah, it was AWS took them down. Yeah. Today or yesterday. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, just, it's just interesting. It's, we live in interesting times. Yeah. It's definitely that. And it, it does feel like, uh, yeah, taking, turning them off is not necessarily going to turn off the behavior. And, and, yeah. uh, Arguing about whether or not they can or can't say that stuff is, especially America, will argue for that till you know to the yeah. <laughs> forever. Yeah, yeah. Feels like a situation that, um, yeah, there's no clear winning and losing here, except you know the behaviour of some of these people are pretty, um, that's right. pretty oh, in your face. Yeah, that's it. Try and de de remove him from the scenario and just say if it was some other thing going on. But it's hard to think like, at the end of the day, it's not like country v country. It's like Big tech going up against big players, moving their weight yeah, around. It's, it's, it's influence, it's yeah. real influence, and I. Yeah. It really scares me. I was thinking, he's got like the article up there. Is going Jeff Bezos trying to buy a, a nation's economy and making decisions on the leader of the free world? It's like, well, who is the leader of the free world? Is it him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If it is, hey, <laughs> thanks, Jeff. Yeah, we love thanks Jeff. for not much. You haven't yeah, yeah. done for me lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting thinking about these. You know, the, the, the billionaire discussion and you know all these people that are you know, worth lots of Elon and, and Jeff and mm. Gates and things like that is it's funny that it seems to me the people that say you know we shouldn't have billionaires and, and these people shouldn't exist are still buying things from you know Amazon and <laughs> we know it effectively <laughs> having the impact of yeah. downstream so uh, it feels to me it's a it's a tough decision to to um, not enhance that position yeah yeah. yeah, it's, it's I, crazy. I feel lucky to work in technology, though. Yeah, I that's what we say. Like, this all the like, time. Yeah. This is the way the world is, and it's like that's the evolution of how we do things. Just because things used to be do it a certain way doesn't mean the problem can't be solved in a different way in the future. But you were talking a lot about conscious capitalism, weren't you? Well, it's just like this is the 
our thing is that like how do people do business now not that's sort of a lot of what you're talking about that the idea of conscious capitalism is that it's not a, i win because someone else loses it's i win because i can provide value to someone else who it's a great product and i treat my employees well and the business i run is going to be sustainable i'm not trying to just pump take. it up and then take from things and take from this person so i can win this but and being transparent too. It's a, it's a, yeah. I feel like it's a really difficult line and I, I'm, who are we to talk about it? But yeah. we're living in a very pivotal moment where things are rearing their ugly head with COVID and the pandemic and the economy collapsing all over the world. Plus all these crazy innovations coming from tech companies, which are now... Solving problems. Yeah. Solving big problems, but also mm. throwing their body weight around. It's just we live in weird times and people who are not on the bandwagon and, and keep thinking, I wish things were the way that they were in the old days, you know? Well, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it feels like a, um, it's, I don't have a lot of, um, not, not respect, but you know, people that are just like, I wish it was like that and hang on to grim death. It's, it's, yeah. it's going to be a grim death for them, but not the people that, that move. I think uh, having an open mind and knowing that it'd be nice if, we could automate some of the grind. I think a lot of people grind for a living and they mm. just don't know anything else. Yeah. But they'll hang on to it. And I don't want anybody to grind for yeah. a Let's automate the, the shitty tasks away for everybody. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a better place. Yeah. Mm. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you're totally right. And there's a lot of people who, who live in an environment that don't have the opportunities to see things from a different perspective or in a different world. You know what I mean? So it's like they live in the same sort of hamster wheel and it's like the snow globe effect, you know? They can't get out once they see other people like inspiring them and, and knowing, oh, he's just like me or he can do it. Like, he, I feel like being around creators and being around founders like yourself would be super inspiring f- for you personally. Yeah, so, so, oh, for me it does, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, a lot of people um, sort of get a bit offended by it. You know, it's like, you know, why are they doing that? And, mm. and mostly those people are you know, quite um, stuck in their ways, I yeah. guess. Um, a lot of people, a lot of founders I know, most founders I know are, you know, are self-taught people and, and, and the problems they're solving are problems they've experienced throughout their careers in completely different, you know, non-technology careers. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of people who expect to get paid, you know, and, and, and just have a different risk profile. And that's okay. Mm. You know, mm. not everybody can be a founder. Mm. You know, if there were no employees, founders would be in a sad spot because they wouldn't be able to have any employees and have people that actually are do happy, the work. <laughs> happy to get paid, you know, a, the same salary, the same wage every month and, and, and do the work that they get asked to do. So mm. it's not, you can't have everybody starting stuff or there'll be no people to get any work done. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Well, mate, 2021 is going to be a really interesting year. What's on the horizon for you? Looking forward, you're at July, July, January 11th. Yeah, July. You're at Torquay, Jeez. you're on the surf coast. Yeah. What's going on for this year for you? Yeah, it's, um, the focus is um, uh, deploying the capital we raised at the end of last year for Tractor and then going to get some more. We, uh, we have some really excellent people who have backed us. Um, I'd like to be able to gather the data, deploy we've got, gather the data, show that this new system we've built works and then go and do some more. Um, supporting more founders that are, are building their, you know, building their companies that are taking a more smooth and calm growth uh, path. As far as the family is concerned, I, I think um, our, our eldest is doing his VCE this year. Um, so oh, sort of constrained as far as travel goes, even if we could. Um, yeah. due to COVID so I think it's another year at home um, hopefully not actually like stuck inside the house <laughs> yeah. coming down to Torquay is certainly a, a nice way to 
uh, finish on Monday. Um, Whereabouts are you in Melbourne? Brunswick East. Oh, so yeah, how good's that? I mean, would have been a we, great have, we, we have stuck in that. Were you in the first lockdown? Was that the first initial ring of bubble uh, of wherever? Uh, it was? Over Brunswick West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brunswick West. Which is two yeah. suburbs away and quite quite the distance. But uh, yeah, no, we, we were we called it early. We pulled the kids from school um, good before. Call, yeah. Uncle Dan told us to. Because you were looking on, looking at the, the news overseas and seeing what's happening, going shit. You know, I was freaking. I was a hypochondriac. I'm not. Finally, the hypochondriacs won. Because I was like freaking out two weeks before, and everyone's going, "This guy's crazy. Let's go." I did on. do a panic shot. Yeah. 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 Matt was onto the panic shopping very early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> panic shopping. It was just pre-buying some things. Yeah. yeah. Doomsday oh, preppers. Doomsday that, preppers. Matt was fully into the whole apocalypse-style outcome. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, yeah. He, yeah, he was expecting supply chain meltdowns and all the rest of it. Yeah. Well, so, you know, the solar panels out, the buckets of water ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I, I, used to, I used to make fun of the doomsday preppers and that, but I'm not going to lie, I watched a couple of seasons when <laughs> things were going down. I'm like, I wonder what ideas they do have. And for those who are listening, Nat Geo just released a full episode on their uh, YouTube channel yesterday, 45-minute episode of Later You're deep into it, aren't you? Only what I'm saying this because I watched it two nights ago. And yeah, I was like, go. I need water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, it was crazy in the beginning. Our Coles was totally sold out of all flour, past any ingredients, stuff, yeah. basic ingredients. Time yeah. was gone, and of course, everybody knows about the TP. So yeah, um, you know, it wasn't far off it for a little while until things calmed down. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny as a you know as a investor. Every founder who pitches us is like, and we're going to grow virally exponentially. The chart looks like this. So I look at charts that, you know, that grow exponentially for a living. And I'm like, this thing is actually growing exponentially. I don't know what's going to happen. So the least I can do is prepare, buy a few things that I'm probably going to eat anyway. But today instead of next month. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you buy anything you think, fuck, I wish I didn't put that in the panic shop? Oh, there's a, still a bunch of canned soups and stuff. I bought canned carrots. <laughs> no, you didn't. And, and, and my wife, oh. she looked at it and she goes, even if we were dying, I wouldn't eat them. You know? <laughs> canned carrots? I didn't think they no, did. No, no, yeah, we, canned we, carrots. We've got, a, we've got a disproportionately large amount of soup. <laughs> Can't wait for winter and it gets cold. Yeah, winter, see, that's it. Winter will come around and we'll eat it. It'll be fine. That's funny. That's Campbell's chunky soup. Oh, I don't want Campbell's. I don't want well, well, mate, thank you so much for driving down, having a chat with us. Yeah. Sorry about the power going out. Yeah. And the change of location, but we got yeah, through. Yeah, we got there. We got through. And uh, thank, yeah, echo what Rob said. Thanks so much for jumping on and sharing your story. It's. Uh, I feel like our audience is going to learn a lot from. Uh, from what your conversation and, and some of the points you raised. Matt Allen, what a king. He's a king. Hey, I really enjoyed that chat. We went a bit deep. Comp- corporate, was it? Um... What? <laughs> What's the word I'm trying to say? Conscious capitalism, tech trends. I went full space cadet. Couldn't think of what we're and talking about. It was grouse for you. I could just see your head just ticking over that whole chat. You're like, I'm just going to get everything in now. I'm going to lay out my opinions. This is what I think. Um, I just, it was good just to like <laughs> go back and forth and listen to his experience. He's just had, I just feel really, I felt pretty buzzed after that chat. Yeah, it was, it was like having 10, 10 coffees, wasn't it? Uh, just with ideas as well, you know? It was just, yeah, it was good. Fantastic. He's just a good dude. Hey, let us know what you thought. We'd love to hear it. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow.